0: Now, fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Good afternoon and welcome. There are two and a half days to go before the vote. We're still digesting Kathleen Wynne's remarkable concession speech over the weekend. She told us she realizes she will not be the next premier, but urged people to vote in as many liberals as possible to, quote, not give a blank check to either the NDP or the PC's. She says her motivation was to step out of the way and help her candidates, but some candidates see this as a betrayal. Other observers call it desperate. But remarkably, at least so far, although this has had huge coverage and she's been doubling down on it today, it seems to have had very little impact on voter intentions. And that is what Lauren Bozanoff, president of Foreign Research found in a poll that was conducted after Saturday's announcement. Uh, so first, Lauren joins me now in studio. Hi, Lauren. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. Uh, did that surprise you that it didn't move the needle?
2: You know what? This is a really an unprecedented event, so it's really hard to predict how people were going to react, and that's kind of why we do research to see you know, what's going to happen. So this is a survey over 2,000 Ontarians done after her announcement on Saturday, and the the liberal share of the vote actually is down a smidgen they're, they're at 18% they're at 19 earlier earlier last week
1: and do you think that that's uh, an accurate reflection or perhaps because of the it was the weekend people were doing other things and they didn't have time to think about it
2: it's possible. And, you know, when you're up at the cottage, maybe politics isn't the first thing on your mind. So they might not have heard about it or might not have cared on the weekend. So we're, we're going to redo the poll tonight to just confirm where things are at.
1: But you have your own theory.
2: Yeah, we're, we're not. We're really thinking that uh, people are just so tired of uh, Kathy Wynne and uh, uh, may not be paying much attention to what she's saying these days.
1: Right. So that that um, can she be hurting her cause by just talking so much everywhere about this. I mean, today uh, she she, uh, was talking about the NDP and and the strike at York and really making an issue of that. They must have polling. Earlier, Deb Matthews was playing a tape of Doug Ford and the way he responded to a a gun control question. He's responded and said he's in favor of gun control and the police. Do, Do you think they're doing themselves favors by doing that.
2: Well, they would have done this anyways, complained about uh, Doug Ford and the gun stuff for example, and the situation up at York and the strike. They, they would have done that no matter where they were in the polls. Uh, that's a good way of going after both the parties. So, they're kind of still campaigning like they were before in terms of the issues, but now they've got this overlay of the, of the concession. And it, there's a possibility that people are going to start to think, you know, what liberal vote's a wasted vote. They're not forming the government. And to say, oh, vote liberal so Neither of the other two won't have, you know, a blank check. That's a pretty complicated argument.
1: Well, yeah, and it's also uh, does it mean they won't have a blank check, or does it mean nobody will be able to get anything done?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Also, we haven't had a lot of people haven't experienced a minority government in Ontario in a while. So.
1: Well, we had one, a Liberal minority,
2: for for a year or whatever it was, a very short one. Uh, so they may not remember that government and how effective it w- it might have been.
1: Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out, and uh, then I'm going to bring in our other true strategist. So I want to hear what you think. Did you listen to Kathleen Wynne's concession? Uh, it was pretty hard to miss if you pay any attention to the news at all. Does it make any difference to you? Do you think it was a smart idea? Does it annoy you? I really want to think, uh, hear what our listeners think about this very, very interesting and strange turn of events. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I'm here in studio with Lauren Bozanoff, the president of Forum Research, and we are now going to bring in Ashton Arsenault, who is a consultant with Crestview Strategy, and John Mcetitian political consultant and president of Bradgate Research Group. Hey guys, Hello. Hey, Levy. Okay. So, let's start with Ashton. What do you make of what the Premier did, the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do?
3: Look, at the end of the day, I, I don't think it's surprising, as Lauren pointed out, that they haven't really uh, received a bump in the polls uh, from this stunt on Saturday. Frankly, I think the majority of voters uh, have already made up their mind which way they'll be leaning on Thursday, but, you know, I just want to talk a bit about the arrogance of the Ontario Liberal campaign, because I find it quite breathtaking. So. They've resigned themselves to the fact that they won't be winning on Thursday, but at the same time, they're rooting uh, for a minority because, according to them, no other party is responsible enough to have a majority government. So if you've lived in Ontario for the past 15 years and you find this to be a bit tone-deaf, well, that's because it is.
4: Uh,
3: I think at the end of the day, uh, whether it be a minority or not, Kathleen Wynne wants Andrea Horvath and the NDP to win. Uh, I think she knows in her heart of hearts that an NDP government will probably be more likely to keep moving forward on liberal policies, like a carbon tax or the Green Energy Act, and deficit spending. So I think that's really what Kathleen was getting at.
1: Okay. John?
5: Uh, I thought it was uh, was interesting to see that they hadn't run out of desperate moves yet, and uh, it was amazing. You know, never underestimate the Liberal Party uh, on its deathbed, about to be financially in ruin by the loss of votes and the new uh, fundraising system in ontario it's a party that literally could be destroyed in just a couple of days and ontario will be saying very clearly not sorry not sorry at all because the premier and her party have brought themselves to this point in time but you know it, the race isn't over yet so she's trying to desperately claim to see if they can even be official party status and even get eight seats which is questionable at this point
1: well, it's it's interesting that she is claiming to be doing this in the public interest when she,
5: she, she always does just before she brings out something that is completely da- dogmatic and based on liberal philosophy and doesn't serve the greater uh, the greater majority of Ontarians. But that's been the nature of her government. and she's now reaping what she's sown
1: uh, yeah. And you know, to be fair, any government in power that long, you know, is probably going to have a lot of trouble hanging on for yet another mandate, and they all get to be uh, past their best before date. But I think there is I, there is one thing that she said that I think is true, and Lauren, do you find this in the polling, that a lot of people are uneasy without, with either choice, and a lot of people will end up, you know, quote, holding their nose and voting for someone. Lauren?
2: Yeah, so you know what, this is sort of the the lesser of the two or three evils. The approval ratings uh, for the other leaders aren't great. Uh, Doug Ford's at about 30%, and he hasn't even held office yet, so um, he's fairly down in in terms of approval. And the same thing with uh, Andrea Horvath. She's at about 40% approval rating. So neither neither leader really has a a really high approval rating. So I'm not sure that the public is really thrilled with, with either choice.
1: But still, uh, Kathleen Wynne's uh, declaration isn't going to have an impact.
2: Well, you know, she's at 18% in terms of the approval ratings. And I think she really lacks a lot of credibility at this point. So I don't know how many people are actually listening to what she's saying these days.
1: Hmm. Very, very interesting. I'm going to go and we're going to take a call. We have Jim in Toronto. Hello, Jim. Hello, Libby. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome.
5: Uh,
4: with regards to her statement,
5: I am, and I'm not a liberal supporter, never have been.
4: But um, it's, to me, it's the best way for her to ensure that her policies continue, because if we get a minority government, as you said, nothing may happen because they won't just will be able to come to a consensus and get anything passed. So therefore, all the old policies will continue in place.
1: Uh, well, well legacy. Uh, okay. Thanks for that, Jim. No problem. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, I wonder, you know, Andrea Horvath said again today that she's not interested in a coalition with the Liberals. You know what, What I wonder, maybe she could have a little payback there because they supported the Liberals and the Liberals totally uh, went back on what they promised the NDP. Ashton, do you have a view on that?
3: Yeah, look, I think uh, Kathleen Wynne's pitch on Saturday, uh, we'll just first call that for what it is, uh, an attempt to save some deck furniture on the Titanic. But. Uh, Obviously, Kathleen Wynne uh, has an inherent interest in a minority situation because according to the polls and according to just about everybody else, that seems to be the only way that the Liberals will be able to exert any influence over what happens at Queen's Park. Now sure, Andrea Horvath right now is saying regardless of whether or not it's a minority or not, we won't work with the Liberals. Well, let's see uh, what Andrea Horvath's opinion. uh, If she happens to win and there are a bunch of Liberals who are quite willing to work with Andrea. Or that, does she resign government? Do we go to the polls again? Things change very quickly in minority situations, and it creates instability, and I think the Liberals would be the main benefactor of that instability should it happen.
1: Mm-hmm. And John, of course, uh, the way the polls look now, even though uh, they are neck and neck, the NDP and the Conservatives, uh, the uh, the Conservative vote seems to be more efficient, more seats.
5: Uh, it's more efficient. I mean, that's where uh, I've got a little concern about uh, uh, polling being as accurate as we might like in predicting uh, the future this time out, because uh, I think the online method uh, skews a little bit uh, to the younger folk who tend not to show up and vote. And the conservative vote already is uh, more concentrated. And I think they're going to be, they have the best chance of turnout. So the The wall card in this may be actually the impact of uh, the third-party groups. I know that the Tides Foundation is uh, doing what they can to uh, use other methods than uh, advertising to beef up uh, the NDP and uh, creating turnout uh, higher than what their party might be able to do on their own. And, and it was actually going to mention, there was a secondary uh, message in what uh, Wynne was saying uh, when she was uh, throwing in the towel, and that was that, uh, you know, compared to the other two parties, the one that she felt the closest to, and she was quite clear that was the closest to the Liberals, was the NDP. And I'm not sure if that message gets her a vote or just hurts the NDP vote.
1: Yeah. Uh, Lauren? Where is the election going to be won or lost in terms of uh, the areas? Are there areas or ridings that could have everything turned? Because you were just saying that that even a small nudge could change the outcome because the two parties are so
2: close. Yeah, you know, in terms of the seat projections, it doesn't look that close. We got the Tories at about 69 seats, and they only need 62 for a majority. But... Uh, you know, a two percent change in these numbers, which is well within the margin of error of this poll or any poll, uh, would be in, in terms of, you know, if the NDP had two extra points, we would be looking possibly at a minority government. So it would be a pretty, pretty quick change with a very, very small uh, change in public opinion to to get a different type of government, a minority government. So that is definitely po- possible. This is all happening um, in the uh, what we call the swing seats in the province. Uh, like the 905, for example, um, these type of swings, uh, and it's mainly liberal seats that are going either to the Tories or to the New Democrats, depending on the nature of that seat. In the city of Toronto itself, in the downtown area, for example, those seats are all going NDP. Uh, in the in the inner suburbs, the Tobico and Scarborough, those are going to the uh, to the Tories. Uh,
1: what about the demographics? You know, I've seen polls that say. Women under 45 will give Andrea Horvath a majority. Unfortunately, uh, those people don't vote, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on where you're coming from. What about the demographic aspect, Lauren?
2: Well, we have some really stark differences here. There's a massive gender gap uh, in this election among men. uh, The Tories are at 45% and the Democrats are at 35%. But among women, the numbers are almost exactly the opposite. The Tories are at 32%, uh, and the Democrats are at 40%. Almost exactly opposite. So there's a huge, huge uh, gender gap. In addition, there is some skew towards women among, the, uh, among Liberal supporters. 14% of men voting Liberal versus 21% for, for, for women. There's also a, a substantial um, age difference. Uh, younger you are... Generally, the more likely you are to vote Democrat. The older you are, the more likely you are to vote uh, PC.
1: And what about turnout? Uh, who turns out more, men or women?
2: Uh, that's about equal. The, the big difference in turnout is always age. And there's always polls showing that Democrats doing extremely well among those 18 to 34. The caution for the Democrats is those individuals tend not to vote.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's one of these things that I really want to follow up after the election, because this is the first time that there are statistically more millennials out there. Uh, we always say that the older demographic, the boomer demographic, is the one that votes and fights elections. And uh, I have a feeling that's still going to be the case this time around.
2: You know, even, even when you ask the millennials, are you, are you going to vote? They all say they are. But, in, you know, intentions are all great, but at the end of the day they don't tend to vote
1: okay and uh back to ashton uh, what do you make of that uh, john was bringing up the tides foundation that's of course a left-wing foundation and they've been doing some work to try to boost turnout on behalf of the ndp uh, ashton do you think uh, that will have do you think it'll work
3: It's certainly something uh, that isn't new. Uh, It was certainly the case with an organization called Lead Now uh, in the 2015 federal election. Uh, These tactics are pretty well ingrained at this point. Uh, I I expect Tides is probably more than anything else uh, attempting to drive up turnout, so actually being on the ground and bringing people to the polls. And uh, We were already talking about the younger demographics. Uh, In many respects, I think the NDP uh, uh, success chances are going to hinge on this. The turnout's high. Look, they might have a shot. Uh, If it's not high, well, it'll probably be PCs. Uh, Again, just to use the 2015 election example, uh, the massive uh, turnout spike in the 18 to 24 uh, year old demographic uh, essentially secured the Liberals a majority government.
1: And what about turnout? I hear people saying they think that the turnout will be low because a lot of people don't like their choices, some 40% staying at home. Do you agree with that, Lauren?
2: Well, it's possible. On the other hand, if it's a close election, you know, if it's not a close election, turnout tends to be a lot lower. Uh, But if it's a close election, people think it's close, then that could, in fact, work in the opposite direction and actually boost uh, the turnout in the election.
1: And how how does it play in Kathleen Wynne is telling people that their vote will count? So, John, do you think that it will work for or against the Conservatives?
5: Well, I think one of the big changes uh, since the last election, because Lauren and Ashton have have hit it right, that a lot of these dynamics have been around for a long time. But I think one of the differences is how people are getting their uh, information. And the the key difference is that people are listening to, be it on whatever media they're using, uh, they're listening to people who they agree with and not listening to robust uh, counter uh, views, which means if you're listening to your own party or your own people, you're believing that you're going to do well and everything's going to be great. And that actually is going to have a bizarre impact of actually uh, suppressing the vote. So it's going to be a phenomenally interesting election day. And in that support, I think one of the differences with these third-party groups now is there was an awful lot of furor in the last couple of years about Russians being involved in U.S. politics. And I don't think anybody's really noticed in a major way that this might be the first time that we've had as great an impact both from the United States and from other provinces where people are playing in Ontario politics.
1: Interesting. Uh, let's get to the phones. We've got Michael in the car in Toronto. Hello, Michael. Michael, are you there? Hello? Okay. <laughs> let's then go to Martin in Brampton. Hi, Martin.
4: Oh, hi, Libby. I think that uh, Doug Ford is going to win in a landslide. He's going to take Toronto and he's going to take communities that may be affected by this, uh, the uh, Trump uh, tariffs. Plus, I think, the fact that he's going to reduce taxes, gasoline, and give people back to the money, or give the money back to the people, rather, I'm Sorry, um, and everybody's going to vote for the conservatives because... I think Doug Ford is the only guy that can deal with Donald Trump at this time, according to the tariffs.
1: Okay, Martin, thanks for that. Uh, the numbers certainly don't show that uh, everybody in Toronto is going to ver- vote for Doug Ford. But, uh, Lauren, you were telling me when we were off that you think that the Tories might win in St. Paul's. I have a particular interest. That's my riding. That surprises me because... Honestly, when I just drive around, it's very unscientific. That's the only place I see a lot of liberal
2: signs. Well, you know, it is is scientific counting the signs, and it's tempting to think, oh, yeah, there's a lot of signs, so, um, you know, Party X is going to win. But it is unscientific, and um, it's more likely that riding will, in fact, go to the Tories. You know, it has a Tory base to it, and uh, with the increase in in the Tory, uh, you know, know, the Tory tie is going to lift all the boats, but the, boat, the Tory boat in, in St. Paul's is already pretty high. So that's why we're thinking that riding will go Tory.
1: Okay, it's, it's interesting. There was a controversy with the NDP candidate in that riding. We were talking about that last week. Uh, and uh, it used to be a swing riding, but it is not anymore.
2: Well, it's going to swing this time. I it's going to swing. Sure. <laughs> so are we back to
1: being a swing riding?
2: I think it's more possible, yes, this time around.
1: Okay, and where else in Toronto? They say an, ND, an NDP sweep in most of downtown Toronto.
2: Yeah, any, anything in the old city of Toronto is, is really, uh, you know, all the ones that start, all the ridings that start with Toronto, so Toronto, Rosedale, whatever, whatever those ridings are likely to all go uh, to, the, uh, to the NDP now.
1: Hmm. And how does that change things, John? I mean, one of the things that I think about, hmm, if that's the case and Toronto goes completely NDP and then you have a progressive conservative government, does that mean that that's not going to be so good for Toronto because they aren't going to have a voice at the table?
4: Well, it's it's
5: interesting. I would say with Doug Ford, the reality is they couldn't have a bigger voice at the table. Uh, What's going to be interesting is how he decides to govern and what policies he's going to come up with. So, for example, municipal um, governments are difficult with them not being partisan and with mayors only being one vote on councils. So one of the major reforms some people have advocated for a long time is that the mayors get more power. And uh, was that something that doug ford would uh, be inclined to do given his special relationship with john tory first.
1: exactly <laughs> yeah because i've heard him say that he's in favor of a strong mayor but maybe not this particular strong mayor
5: well it might be an it might be an idea that he leaves on the table for the future who knows
1: And Ashton, again, any impact of uh, Toronto versus the 905 and that dynamic shaping up? I know that with previous conservative governments, there was always this idea that it was the rural areas versus the urban areas. It was kind of an old fashioned party from the past versus the modern urban party. Do you see that coming into play at all again?
3: Yeah, I'm looking at a couple of things uh, just on election night. I'm going to be looking at uh, whether or not the PCs are sweeping 905, which they'll pretty much need to do. I'm looking at whether or not the NDP can sort of form this orange stronghold in downtown, uh, downtown Toronto. Uh, but particularly interested in the splits and whether or not we see any three-way races happening in southwest Ontario obviously a lot of seats to pick up there, and I think ultimately who wins will have outperformed the other two parties in southwest Ontario. And another thing, just to note out for for listeners, uh, of course, we're using electronic voting machines this time around, so uh, we should get an indication of who's going to win, I would say, very quickly, uh, much more quickly than in previous elections.
1: Oh, really? What time? Because I'm working that night.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I I wouldn't possibly uh, be brave enough to make a guess.
5: Well, I'll, I'll jump in. I'll tell you right now that I think elections Ontario. Now, th- those machines are only being used in half of the polls. That's right. But I'm I'm willing to bet that uh, somebody's going to call the election by 9:20 at the uh, at the latest.
1: Ooh, that's yeah. almost a late dinner. <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> but Lord... remember, it could be a close election. On the other hand, if the polls are right, uh, the popular vote could be very close. So the seats could also be very close, depending on what happens in the next three days.
1: In terms of, you know, we've heard that the progressive Conservatives are in a better position to win more seats, even if they lose the popular vote. So what kind of percentages do we have to be looking at
2: there? Well, unfortunately, NDP, I think they're going to have to get two or three points more than the Tories to actually win this election. Just because their vote is so heavily concentrated in the downtown areas, there's going to be a huge number of wasted NDP votes in this election.
1: Okay, let's go back to the phones. We've got Fred in North Bay. Hello, Fred.
2: Hello, how are you doing?
1: We're fine. How are you?
4: Oh, well, I'm looking forward to this election. There's nothing I'd like to see better than uh, Miss Mrs. Wynn kicked to the curb. Okay. I think her latest little, uh, oh, woe is me gimmick is nothing more than a gimmick. She's looking for a sympathy vote, like, uh. If you nice people don't vote for me, I'm going to lose the election and be out of a job.
1: Well, she's, she's uh, conceded that she will be out of a job. Well, I think it's a political
4: ploy trying to, trying to play up people's sympathy.
1: Uh-huh. Not working with you, obviously.
4: Not at all. No chance. Same as uh, uh, Mrs. Wynn, or not Mrs. Wynn, uh, Mrs. Horvath. She doesn't support the troops. She doesn't support the military. Who does she think made this country what it is? What world is she living in?
1: Okay, Fred, thanks for that.
4: It wasn't politicians that built this country.
1: That's for sure. Thanks for that. Let's go to Mike in Mississauga South. Hi, Mike.
6: Hi, Libby. Enjoy your show.
1: Thank you.
3: This is a really tough vote for me. And uh, But I guess my, my question to your, to your guests are, I live in Mississauga South, where Charles Souza has reigned for, I think, 12 years. And I wanted to know if you had any data on him. Are the people still going to vote him in? Because he's a very popular person here in Mississauga South. He got rid of the power plant. Um, he he's, uh, has a very high um, ethnic following. I know my neighbors are all
4: his former nationality, and they'll vote for him no matter what.
2: You know, I have to. If I had to guess, I would say that Tories are going to win that seat. It is in Mississauga. There is a, a Tory base in in those Mississauga ridings, um, and uh, when that sweep comes, I think he'll get caught up in it. I I know people think the uh, MPPs are important, but Pierre Trudeau famously <laughs> said the MPs were were a bunch of nobodies, and. <clears throat> In one sense, he was right, that when the tide comes, most of these local uh, candidates are going to have their boats uh, capsized.
1: He's the finance minister, though.
2: He's the fin- That's also good and bad, because he's very close to Kathleen Wynne, and well, I think he's perceived that way. so. It's it's true, you know, supposedly cabinet ministers are are more resistant to these uh, tides when they come. On the other hand, he, he is so closely associated with the wind government, with the deficits and the finance issues. Gas uh, plants. The gas plants, a lot of these issues. So I, I think uh, he's going to have a very tough night.
1: Uh-huh. And uh, it's interesting if he does get in, he, of course, is touted as one of the possibilities for being the next leader.
2: That's right. He was one of the leadership contenders last time. He was sort of a, a, a premier in, a leader in waiting. Um, but that won't mean anything if he loses his seat.
1: Yeah. The uh, other thing that Mike brought up, and thank you for bringing that up, Mike, in Mississauga Th- South. Thanks for your call. You're welcome. Uh, that I think is very interesting about ethnic bloc voting. Does that still exist?
2: It, it, it does still exist. And you see, of course, in certain ridings, the, the, the parties all nominate candidates from certain ethnic groups. So that's certainly the, the, the goal of that. Um, this will be more of a challenge uh, for that type of voting. Just the general dislike of, of, of win.
1: Okay, let's uh, get a few more calls in. We've got Ralph in Rockwood. Hi, Ralph.
6: Hi, Olivia. Hope oh, everything is good down there just as it is in Rockwood.
1: Uh, everything is good down here as it is in Rockwood. Sun <laughs> okay. shining there. Um,
6: first of all, I think that Kathleen Wynne is definitely finished. Um, I think the whole Liberal Party may be finished, from what I'm hearing from your guests. Uh, the other comment I'd like to make is to the people of Toronto, or the, the city of Toronto, um, the NDP... Critics, or NDP policies are the same as the liberal policies. I think this election, most people are voting on the policies of the conservatives against the liberals. I don't think it's a, um, an individual. It doesn't matter whether it's Jim or Bill or Bob who's running, who's running in the writing. They're gonna vote for a PC candidate or a, a NDP candidate. And they have to remember that the NDP candidates their policies are exactly the same as the Liberals.
1: Mm, not exactly.
6: Well, I tell you what, if you had to throw something in the air, uh, it would land at uh, LibGP. Okay. <laughs> if I can use that term. Because I think they're basically the same. Uh, gas prices, uh, carbon tax, I mean, I mean, all of these things, all they want to do is spend our money because they don't have to account for it.
1: Okay, Ralph, thanks for that. I think Here. we know which way you're going to go. <laughs>
6: well, I've already voted.
1: Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. All right. Let's go to Margaret in Whitby. Hello, Margaret. Hi, uh, Libby. Thanks for
7: taking my call. I don't feel sorry for Kathleen Wynn at all, and um, she, maybe she'll have to pay her a hydro bill, uh, and um, and she'll feel some of the pain that we've had to experience. But She keeps on saying that unemployment is lower in Ontario than it is in the United States. Well, that's not true because in the United States, since Donald Trump got in, he has lowered the corporate taxes down to 21%. He's lowered personal taxes down. And their economy, I heard on the weekend, is 3.5% and 5% for um, Blacks. And that and and basically that uh, people's wages are higher more people are working and you cannot say that about Ontario
1: well the overall uh, the economy in Ontario has been pretty good I't not think.
7: better than the United States uh, and raising, depends where and, and I... raising uh, and if NDP were to get in and raise the corporate taxes and all the things they want to do there was a man who called on the weekend one of the radio shows and he said he got a bonus of fifty. 50- uh, he got a bonus, and the, the government under the NDP took fifty-six percent of his bonus, and he got forty-four. I've heard people say that their housing, their houses, the value of their houses had dropped under the NDP. It will be a scary. It will be worse with an NDP government.
1: Okay, than it Margaret. Would be with a Liberal. Thanks for that. Okay, uh, it is time to start wrapping this up. So, Ashton, what would you like to leave us with?
3: Uh, I'd just like to leave with this, I I, I guess. I think at the beginning of this election, uh, the ballot box question was very much uh, whether or not it was time for a change. And because everybody agreed with that uh, so wholeheartedly... (laughs) I think, uh, unfortunately for the PCs, it's sort of started to drift into the referendum on Doug Ford territory at this point. As we've seen, the Liberals, uh, their vote base has completely bottomed out. It's collapsed. Uh, And you have the sitting Premier of a province conceding the election uh, before it even happens, which is obviously very unusual. So it'll be whether or not, uh, sorry, it'll be uh, a matter of who has the better ground game on Election Day. And I'll be looking at uh, those three-way races, and uh, because whoever comes out on top of those uh, will be eventually uh, the new
5: government.
1: And, John, do you agree that it's becoming a referendum on Doug Ford?
5: Um, it's all, Paul, a good campaign, sorry, is always about choices. And I think uh, we have two clear choices for Ontario's future, and uh, they couldn't be more stark. And I think if uh, we leave aside all the scaremongering and people don't get sucked into that game, but they look at what the parties themselves are saying and what they stand for and what they want to do, then we're going to have a very fascinating election night. Uh, But the downside of this campaign and the, the negativity, starting with why people aren't supporting the government, I think there's a bizarre chance that we could have a lower turnout than normal. Uh, And there absolutely, I believe, will be uh, more votes cast for other parties and other candidates on the ballot, of which there's a record number than ever before. And the 33,000 people who walked up to a voting location last time said to the returning officer, "Uh, thank you very much, but I declined my ballot, which is an option as well, uh, as opposed to going in and spoiling it or choosing a candidate. Uh, Those 33,000, I think that was going to be a low mark. I think that's going to be a higher number as well this time. So it's going to be a fascinating night, election night. I
1: I agree with that. And Lauren, what are you going to be looking at? What's going to be key in these last few days?
2: So you know what? This is a really close election and things could change even in the last three days because I don't think um, people are thrilled with any of the three parties. Definitely they've written the the liberals off. The approval ratings of the other two leaders are, are not very good. So they're, they're voting, uh, you know, uh, the lesser of the two evils or whatever. So things could change between now and then. Also, because they are so close, um, could be a minority government uh, also is, is a possibility. So there'll be a lot of excitement. It's really important to see, <clears throat> can the NDP uh, pick up seats in those seats that are more of a reach for them, like in southwestern Ontario. And can, the peace, and can the NDP really run a province-wide campaign? They, they are excellent at targeting you know, by-elections and individual ridings. But can they carry that out across the province, which is they'll have to do to win this? Okay.
1: Thank you, all three of you. Fascinating. It's going to be a fascinating few days and a fascinating election night. Thank you, Lauren Bosanoff, Ashton Arsenault, and John Mikatishan. Bye-bye. Thanks,
5: clinic. Bye-bye.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to 1. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to 1. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to 1. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.